James, thank you so much for coming on. Really, really yeah. pleased to speak with you. Oh. So let's uh, let's start at the start, really, for you. So talk okay. to me about your your kind of childhood. So where where are you from? Because I know you've got a northern accent, um, but my <laughs> my placement yeah. on accents is pretty poor. So talk right. to me about where you grew up and stuff. Right. So I grew up in a city just south of Leeds called Wakefield. Yep. In West Yorkshire. Um, I'll just say early 70s and, and let you sort of figure out sort of age, sort of range, sort of then, I guess, really, to a degree. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I live, um, and I live today probably two or 300 metres away from the house where my granddad was born. So us Rawlingsons have been in this area for the best part of 150-odd sort of years. Now, that's, please don't think anybody or there's some grandiose estate ownership these are, you know, I was born on a... Uh, sorry, Lord Rawlingson, I'm going to start yeah. calling you. <laughs> Lord Rawlingson. <laughs> I was brought up in a council estate. Uh, so was my father. And my grandfather's and family beforehand was before council estates were invented. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm from Wakefield. I'm proud to be from Wakefield. Um, and a particular area of Wakefield, quite near the sort of motorway. Um, quite near the one uh, called Flanshaw. Yeah, so that's, that's me. And my email address it links to that as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, cracky. So yeah, I brought up in uh, Wakefield. I have a twin sister. Oh, so you're uh, a twin? I'm a twin. Yep. You uh, have a really strong connection with your sister. Yeah, I do. Yeah, we're, we're, everybody describes us chalk and cheese. Yeah. So she's not like me whatsoever. Yeah. Both in appearance and manner and outlook and things. Yeah. But yeah, I do have a really strong uh, connection with her. Um, it was great being so growing up because. Uh, Helen was, um, how can I explain? She was a sort of girl, I'm sure she won't mind me saying. She was a sort of person who hung around the back of the bike sheds smoking cigarettes and all yeah. that sort of stuff, whereas I wasn't. Uh, but whenever I got into you, trouble, you the principal and she was the, the naughty one, right? A little bit like that, but maybe with a dark undertone, really. So, so I think I was probably cute enough to get away with it, um, yeah. or astute enough to get away with it. Um, but whenever there was trouble, then uh, our Helen, or our Helen, as we say around here, was come barging down the sort of uh, school sort of fields and sort it out, really. So, yeah, whenever any scrapes or anything, then she'd, she'd start sort of standing in front of us and sort of... That was almost the opposite role. Your sister looked out for you rather than you yeah. looked out for your sister. Yeah, and um, then my parents got uh, split up when I was quite young. Uh, we moved to another part of Wakefield. And brought up with a sort of stepfather and two stepbrothers who were that, very close. How old were you when that happened with your parents? Eight. Do you remember it quite? Yeah, 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 very well. Yeah. Was it was it a hard period in your time at that? Because I've got my children, so my eldest is six now, and obviously she's yeah. very aware of. Um, yeah, there was a lot. I think I think um, there's quite a lot of bitterness and ang and anger, really. Still around. there. E not so much now because my mum. Passed away quite a while ago now. Uh, she she passed away quite early with sort of cancer about sort of 10, 12 years ago. Um, so that bitterness is not there anymore. You know, times are great, sort of healer, but still at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically, my, my, my dad was quite bitter about it all for, for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, and then, yeah. um, and so, so then, so that was this kind of age mm. that you was last couple of years of primary school and stuff. So, um, then you went into secondary school, what, age 11, something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did you do it at school? So, academically, I did, I did, I did sort of pretty well. You know, um, I, no, cracky, going back that far, if you, if you did pretty well at your GCSEs, you got flashed over sort of the front page of the local rag. So, uh, the year of my GCSEs, there's was, was me from a, a, a state school comprehensive and, and everybody else was from private schools. Uh, across sort of Wakefield, so yeah, that made me sort of quite proud. And when I think back about it, when I when I was very sort of young, uh, my, my my parents were still sort of together. I always remember my mum going back to school, and she used to sort of drag us up. I said drag us along. We used to go along sort of, sort of willingly, really. Um, so she went back to school when I don't know when I we were six or seven, and we used to go along and follow her. And uh, crikey, if I think hard about it. Even then, I remember her doing some sort of computer sort of courses in the very early 80s, going back to school. Uh, so, yeah, academically, uh, and that led to, 
I, I've always enjoyed doing academic sort of stuff, particularly sort of maths and that sort of thing. Yeah. That comes in, the math side of it comes in with your IT background as well. A lot of maths behind IT, yeah. and logical yeah. thinking, and and uh, problem solving, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I've always had a bit of a background of sort of early eighties, sort of IT and sort of Vic twenties and all, and uh, Commodores and things. And I guess I was, yeah. So Christmas once or twice we 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 got a computer. I think yeah we did. My sister didn't want one, but it was a joint present. You know, yeah. we, didn't have, you know, we didn't have loads of money. So I, was, so I was like Yorkshireman and not having a lot of money, but it's not like that at all. But um, yeah, so we had joint sort of friends. So yeah, that was a fascination in IT, sort of computers and did ICT, computing, sorry, uh, sort of GCC in the very sort of early days. Yeah, I wrote a piece of software to do top 10 charts. And I remember, I think, I think at the time, the number one was The Only Way Is Up by Yazoo or something. I'd sing it, but I'm no singer. Is that is uh, that, that is that the only way is Essex song now? The only way is Essex God. Yeah, and so at school, yeah, I had that. Um, I'm also nearly deaf in one ear, um, so that can sometimes affect how I sort of come across. So as well as having dull north, northern tones, I am uh, I've I've been uh, deaf since I was about twelve. I had a, quite uh, an operation on my ear when I was very young. Uh, that didn't go very well, um, and it's caused deafness ever sort of since. And so so that's that, one one side. Yeah, yeah. So it's really good. So if I want to go to sleep, I lie in my good ear and I can't hear a thing. If I go out for a meal with friends, if I keep the people I don't like to my right, <laughs> they can talk all the like, and I, I can't hear bloody word the same. What's not very good is if if in terms of I can't I can't determine where sounds coming from. So if someone shouts at me loud, I have no idea where that's sort of coming from, really. Yeah, so that's a bit problematic. And as a kid, I was very much wanting to be a engineer um, in the RF. That was my dream as a very young child. Um, I did everything I, everything I could to get to that. So uh, I joined the Air Cadets when I was young. I was in the Air Cadets for about seven or eight years. Yeah, no, no, about five six years. Um, Applied for six form sponsorship, and I remember at the time, uh, I, I remember telling the ENT consultant, Dr. Gandhi, at Batley Hospital, I think it was, saying, I'm going down to Biggin Hill, which is, um, I think it's near Romford, I think. Yeah, yeah, Biggin Hill's yeah. just on, just... Um, I think south, it's south London. Southeast side is it? of the... Yeah. In, uh, so I remember telling him I'm going to go. You know, I've applied for six form sponsorship. I'm going down, and he looked at me and says, "You will never get. You know, I hate to say it, but you'll never join the armed forces with your ear." Right. I thought, I'll prove you wrong, and he was dead right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite embarrassing. It was a bit of a wake up moment, really. Sixteen years old, uh, making my own way from uh, Wakefield all the way down to Biggin Hill, being surrounded by loads of posh boys from public schools who were very articulate, very confident, and then being sort of a bit, I don't know how to say, a bit humiliated in public in front of them with my hearing test. Really? Yeah, yeah, and, and being kicked out, essentially, being told to go home. It wasn't very nice. How long yeah. was you there for? Was you was you there for a couple of hours? Yeah, and then that two day and a half days. Pardon? Two and a half days. Two and a half days. Yeah, it was a three-day selection process. Yeah. So day one was all the tests then you had a meal and all that sort of thing yeah day two was sort of fitness and physical and that's when yeah. they uh just announced yeah what's up with you can't you hear us properly i said i explained what was going on and he says well you might as well just go now and that was it really yeah bizarre so, yeah that was him so yeah. didn't he, it wasn't tactful it wasn't um no, it was quite young who was organizing it all he was, he was i don't know maybe when you reflect back sometimes your perceptions of what happened are very different to the reality. So yeah. Um, well, that's what they say about memories, isn't it? That your memories, that, that you basically recall memories from the last time you think of them. Yes. So you don't actually think of the memory. You think about the last time you thought of it. So you yeah, can yeah. basically change the way that you think about stuff by, by kind of convincing yourself the last time you think about it is the what yeah, actually yeah. happened. Yeah. They said they're very subjective about the memories. Um, and, and there's yeah, there's a lot of sort of thought around that. Yeah, so that was quite sort of young. Uh, I was about 15, 16, sort of GCC sort of time. Did well GCC, stayed on the sixth form, did A-levels. 
uh, and at the same time discovered sort of rape music, girls, drink, and uh, and everything else that sort of came with it. <laughs> you avoid like northern sort of rave scene, really. All in. Uh, worked at a nightclub for two and a half years. Uh, yeah. So a lot of the academic stuff went out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big style. Yeah. yeah. You hit the party scene, did you? Yeah, yeah. It's quite a big northern, uh, particularly Manchester. So this was time of Happy Mondays and yeah, and Roses and Inspiral Carpets, uh, Mad Chester, I think they used to call it. Yeah. And with that in mind, that's why um, I managed by skinning my teeth to uh, get some A-levels and, and get to Manchester University. Yeah. And you've done computer science at Manchester University. I did, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, after you, so once you found out that you couldn't join the armed forces, yep. the RAF, was the focus then for you to, to join or to, to, to pursue a career in IT or did you kind of fall into that? Absolutely, sort of fell into it. So the focus there was to um, enjoy this sort of northern sort of uh, sort of dance music sort of scene as much as humanly possible. Yeah, uh, and just. So are you a dancer then? Can you dance? No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and enjoy all you know, be and all that sort of stuff, and just go mental really. I think for about sort of two years. Yeah, uh, but I wanted to go to Manchester. You know, I really liked Manchester's town. I still like Manchester. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great sort of city. It's got a great sort of vibe. You know, lovely place to sort of live, loads of history and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I, I just wanted just to get to Manchester University. That was. I, I that assume was you. Did, I assume you didn't support Leeds United Football Club then. I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm surprised yeah, yeah. you like Manchester so much then. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So in my first year at Manchester, um, we stayed in sort of Paul's residence, which are right next to Manchester uh, University Hospitals. Uh, on Oxford Road, and they, they, one of the guys who I'm still friends with now was a big Man United fan, and the only reason he went to Manchester was because he supported Manchester United. Right. Uh, at the time, you needed tokens, and you know they were a crappy sort of team then in the early nineties. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Manchester University, um, and that was great. Yeah, loved it. Uh, great sort of three years. You know. Brilliant. Mm. And so, so from there then, so that, what's that takes you to what, about 95 now? Uh, about 94, 94. Yeah, yeah, 94. Okay. And, and so you then got, you then, I assume, went out to, to work in an IT. So what was your kind of, because uh, you've got a computer science degree, so I assume that incorporates your infrastructure, your networking, your... your it was mainly, your... in those times, it was merely software programming. Okay. With writing software. So at the end of university, you, uh, all degrees, you have to uh, pick a topic for a dissertation sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise I had to pick a topic for a dissertation uh, until someone said, have you picked yours? I'm like, well, what are you on about? Uh, and then, because I didn't really hang out that very much with people on my course. I hang around with was, lots of other people. You're too busy raving. Yeah, they're all a bit sort of geeky, a bit sort of boring. Really. <laughs> uh so I got to the, you know, the big long list of topics for a dissertation, and I, and I kid you not, there was about 200 on there that all got lines to except for two of them. There's only two things left. One was to build a system, uh, an owl, to, so its eyes will track you around a room, or write a, a GP IT software system. Right. I knew nothing about owls. I knew a little bit about GPs, so I wrote a GPIT software system in my third year at Manchester University. It was rubbish. It was absolutely rubbish. <laughs> I think it worked properly. Um, and then, so following that, I uh, when I came back uh, home to Wakefield, they, they were, I, I, I taught people IT for, for free for about three months just to get some experience. I was doing nothing. I didn't get a job. I didn't... You know, I applied for a few, they called milk round, graduate jobs, didn't get any of those. Uh, what grades did you get in your in your degree? Uh, not very good one, I'll leave it at that. I, I think I'm just managed to sort of scrape through. It makes sense. <laughs> um, and then I saw, so I, I taught people on the door, IT, for two months. Yep. I didn't get paid for it. Um, yeah. But that gave me a foot in the door and I got a job at Wakefield Health Authority as an IT support in October 94 in the NHS. Yeah, and you've never left. And I've never left. Uh, the, you know, the, for a long time, and I still say it now, I'm a bit of a joke that um, you know, I've been trying to, <laughs> I've been in the NHS 25 years, I've been trying to leave for 24. 
<laughs> and every year I just add one to it. But do you know what? I'm not right sure whether I would. I quite like, you know, I, um, I, I really like what, what I do. Um, and Tom, what, what is it that you like about what you do then? So, so you like what you do, but, but what is it? Is it the sense of purpose? Is it the complex, um, you know, health economy that it sits in? Is it, um, you know, what, what, what is it? Is it a technical challenge? I think um, probably a combination of all that. So I think one of the great things about being in the industry that we're in, you know, you, I, and, and all of us, is it, it, it is always forever sort of changing. There's always new stuff coming. And if you like sort of new stuff, you know, it's not, you know, it changes all the time. Um, those that aren't in the NHS say the NHS is, can be accused of being quite stagnant and not changed, not changing. I'm not sure that's the case. So the, the NHS is always sort of changing. Um, there's a strong sense of actually you are doing something positive, I think. You know, you talk about a career making a difference, then mm. I'm not right sure there's any other bigger career making a difference. Um, I often sort of talk to people about the NHS is, uh, you know, my take on it is I see the sort of NHS as a family. You know, it's a family of organisations, a family of things that we do. And like all families, you get on with some of them and some of them you don't. Yeah. But you know what? You know, when things are pretty tough, you know, families tend to stick together and tend to do some really good things. And you know, coronavirus is one example. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are lots coming forward. Um, and I really like that. You know, yeah. I really like the fact that um, there's a common sort of thread all the time. Most people, in fact, everybody's um, touched the NHS, you know, took the industry, touched, knows a little bit about the industry that I work in. So, and that's good. You know, you don't always get that, I think. Yeah, uh, sure, sure. So fast forward a little bit. So you worked um, in kind of a, a, a junior level kind of um, IT support. Yeah, yeah. There's only two of us in the yeah. whole of Wayfair Authority. Oh, only really? Doing IT. That would yeah, it. You're, you're, you're second up in, in IT. <laughs> in yeah. you, did, you did it right then. <laughs> so, so there, wasn't very much IT. there wasn't very much IT around then. Uh, no. There were no PCs. There were none of that sort of stuff. At all. What, was you, what was you supporting there? Like fax machines and phones and things like that? Yeah, there were. No, no, there was. Um, so there's a big sort of uh, finance uh, Unix sort of system. Uh, and then lots of the NHS had a big contract with, um, I think it's now owned by Fujitsu, ICL. Okay, yeah. Uh, so that did all word processing and all that sort of stuff. So supporting yeah. that. I did manage to, on my third week there, delete the whole of Wakefield Health Authority's finances. I, I was being really clever. I thought I knew something. I knew a particular sort of command that no one would knew and it made the job a lot easier. And oh unbeknownst to me, it went and deleted every single file on this unit's mainframe. So how did you get it back? I, we, very, we tested the backup tapes and did a restore. Took about two days. Oh, I bet yeah. you've never yeah, yeah. wanted the ground to swallow you. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't very... It was very, very... I, my boss at the time, uh, Noel, Noel Akers, was very understanding. And, uh, you know, a great guy. You know, when I think back, I think I've been sort of lucky with, or fortunate with the sort of bosses and people around me I've had. Yeah. You know, I can look back every, just about every time and think, you know, I've never really had, you know, been one or two, but not by and large, many sort of bosses and all that sort of thing who haven't been great. Mm. Noel's been great. You know, I can go through them all, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that was where it fell for us. I was there for two and a bit years. Went to Bradford Health Authority, was there, um, worked in, uh, as an IT manager for a group of practices in Keighley, um, in West Yorkshire. Interestingly, the that group of practices, the lead GP had an idea about uh, why don't we have one IT system across all those GPs. Uh, long story short, that lead GP is a medical director for TPP, and the, the idea was... They, they they wrote TPP system one. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you worked for uh, or worked as part of that initial TPP offering that then. Um... No, no. So. Uh... Well, no, but it wasn't TPP then, was it? Right. It was. It was a. It was a GP surgery that had just built a system. Yeah. That... Yeah. So uh, I moved on. I thought that's never going to work. As if that. As, as if that's going to work. Uh, and I, I moved. Uh, I bought a house at that time. Uh, I just bought a house and I moved back to a job near a bit sort of near to home. Uh, but yeah, it's quite good. Yeah, John, John Parry, he's um, 
face a visionary sort of GPIT person. Yeah. Who um, is medical? I think he's medical director for TPP. Yeah. Yeah, yeah great guy. Um, yeah, and I came back to work in Whitfield. Awesome, awesome. So fast forward a bit. Talk to me about um, when you first got into leadership positions. Then, so what? First, yeah. what was it? What was this sense of achievement like for you? And actually, answer that first, and I'll ask the next question after. Yeah. Uh, what does it further? Um, sorry. Um, sorry. So, no, no, no. Just someone's just trying to pass me some sort of notes. Um, yeah, so firstly, leadership. I think the the Bradford job is a bit of sort of leadership. So that's a group of uh, practices. So um, I guess what do you mean by sort of leadership? Is is leadership? You know, managing staff, or you know, to me, leadership is about determining and sort of setting direction, uh, understanding, helping individuals and organisations. Uh, steer towards something that is better than using technologies as to what they've got sort of today. And we did a little bit of that in 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 Bradford. And then in Wakefield, um, when I got a job in Wakefield, I had a little team working with me then, uh, sort of probably mid-late 20s, and sort of start from there, really. I think. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So what the question I was going to ask, what, what does what does leadership mean to you? What what's good leadership? Um, cracker, that that's what does leadership sort of mean to me? I think I think I can tell you what bad leadership is, and maybe that's probably a better way of answering that sort of question. You know, um, I think maintaining sort of promises and sort of commitments. Um, sometimes you know, maintaining sort of tempo. Um, maintaining a sense of purpose, a direction, keeping some people sort of together. Um, you know, often I've seen where, you know, leaders let things sort of slip, slide, fragment, people go off in their own sort of way. I think leadership, people being prepared to make tough decisions and sticking by it. Um, once, twice, again, seen examples where you know there's been tough decisions and people just don't stick to it you know they've they've um there's not been like a joined up sort of approach to it um having a you know a, a strong sort of chin i think sometimes um being communicating well i believe you know keeping people informed of what you're up to yeah uh, some sometimes what we do at work isn't easy is it you know uh you know Blumenek, you know, if work were easy, then we would, <laughs> then we'd all do it. Um, it isn't, you know, that's that's what we come to do on our sort of day to day sort of lives. And I think making having a bit of fun as well and enjoyment. You know, what's your, what's your leadership style then? Because you know, uh, we've met a couple of times at my events and so, yeah. and, you know, I could never see you like having a go at someone or. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean yeah. that I mean that in a good way. That you know, I, I can't ever imagine you, you know, raising your voice, shouting, and and being that kind of authoritarian type. Yeah. Um, that I think people report to me might say something a little bit different. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not by and large. Yeah. I'd, I'd hope you know, but you know, the the, the only people who could tell me what my you know, you ask me what my leadership style is. That's, I think that's partly for others to answer about me, not for me to answer about myself. Um, I think I'm sort of fair. I think people, uh, I think I'd hope I'm fair. I'd hope I'm, uh, I push people hard, I think. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I have no sense of entitlement as to what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and that therefore, nobody should be entitled to do what they have on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, we are, sounds very grand, but we're custodians of, you know, my family's sort of taxes, your family's taxes, you know, the public sort of sector. And, and, and with that becomes, a, a, I would say, an increased level of responsibility. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's really important that we all do our absolute best for that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I have a quite a strong sense of... Um, uh, sort of public servants, I guess, really. Yeah. Now, yeah. now, is that being drilled into me because I've been here 25 years? Maybe it has. Mm. Or actually, maybe that was inside myself anyway. Is, it, is there anything about the sector that you'd change? You know, perhaps the politics, the bureaucracy, the red tape? 
Or do you think, it, do you think it's absolutely vital to... I think, I think, I think a little bit planning. more of long-termness. We do, we do live year to year, even though we have a bit of a longer-term sort of view on stuff. Um, long-term plan, eh? No? Yeah, long-term planning. But it does feel a bit, particularly the finances bit, does seem a bit sort of um, year to year, hand sort of mouth, the winner of sort of politicians. Um, if I could change that, I'd change that. Is that is it possible to change that? I'm not right sure. Um, mm. Actually, that gives a bit of excitement sort of sometimes around it, um, I think. That's part, think. Of heart, part, part of the battle though, isn't it? Is that you've not got all the money in the world to play with. You've got a finite amount of resources, a finite number of hours in the day, staff, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, you're expected to deliver high, qu- high class, world quality innovation. And, and, and basically, yeah. you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you know, your job needs to ultimately be making other people's jobs easier through yeah, yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah, it's about, yeah, making, yeah, absolutely. We should be making about, about making things more effective, more efficient. Um, easier to interact with, all that sort of stuff, and and, and keeping the, the, you know, managing expectations. So, I think um, so. When I started my sort of career in the NHS, if you want a great, if you want a decent technology, you come to work. Now people put their hand in the pocket, you know, and and that that's fundamentally shifted. Mm. I think people's ex- expectation of what we do day to day. Um. It's raised that bar, and we have so many people who the 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 sort of adage about or the factoid about the NHS is it is the most intellectual, intelligent organisation on the planet. Is it something like it's I don't know the exact number, but seventy-five to eighty-five percent of people have got first-class degrees and above. Really, we call them doctors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, uh, nurses all have sort of degrees. Uh, there is no, you know, so so with that, you know, you, you can't get away with stuff. Uh, mm. But I like that, you know, yeah. That that that's really there's no nice. pulling the wall over people's eyes, is there? No, no. Too intelligent no. as a as a as a collective for that. Yeah, not not at all. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, what's what's my leadership style? Um, could be sort of pretty honest. I think really. Um, I think reputation and perception is important. Um, in everything we sort of do really mm. um i think the other bit as well i think leadership styles must change depending on circumstances yep so if if people are fairly rigid in terms of what they do and don't don't change then uh, that can be problematic going down the line yeah uh, i'd like get you know i like to roll my sleeves up uh i think i'm one of the there aren't that many cios who do what i do i think who have come from the similar background as to I have. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh... you've really worked your way up from real the base layer of IT yeah. um, to, to now the top layer um, in, a, in a kind of 25-year or close to 26-year career. Uh, yeah. Are you proud of what you've achieved? Uh, I, I don't see the achievement as in past tense, first and foremost. Okay. Um, you know, I'm proud of where I am. <laughs> Definitely, you know, I'm proud of what I've done so so far. Um, it's it's for my family, for family and friends to be so proud of me. It's not about my own. You know, don't wake up in the morning and go, you know, I'm I'm the big I am. Oh, well. Another day. Yeah, well, I made it today. Aren't I wonderful? <laughs> uh, you know, in fact, so far from it. Uh, there's always more to do, and there's always mm. more to achieve. There's, yeah, for you. There's always other stuff sort of going on. Yeah. Um, People ask me if I'm proud of myself, and hmm. my answer is not like not not yet really. Yeah. You know, people have think from the outside, right? You've obviously got such a harder critical relationship with yourself than other people have with you, right? Yeah. 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 Um, and so from the outside, people are like, yeah, you're you're young and you've achieved so much. I haven't, I haven't really started yet. You know, from what I want to achieve, I've I've not really scratched the surface yet. Like I put the base. You know, I'm, I'm building. I'm, I'm digging the trenches at the minute to put the concrete layers in, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so I, yeah, I, I I hear you with that one because yeah, and there's, there's always there's you know these there's a really good guy out. You know, I think he's really good. I, I quite a lot of listen to him. Um, he's a professor of clinical psychology from Toronto University, 
Professor Peter Jordison. Uh, it's quite vocal at the moment, prolific. He's, he's seen as a bit of a right wing, but he's, he's very sort of intelligent. And he talks about, you know, everybody's got pain and sort of suffering in their lives. You know, he's, he's been a clinical psychologist with some of the most perceived successful people on the planet. And we all have our own trouble and sort of strives. Yeah. It's just all... We're all, a bit, we're all a bit messed up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, in terms of achieving... Uh, and then he talks about, actually, you know, if you set yourself a goal of achieving happiness, you'll never ever get there because you can't get it. Mm. It's not a thing you can get to. Mm. Uh, and I get that, 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 that. I subscribe to that. There's still a lot to do. Um, I've been sort of chair of governors of schools in sort of Wakefield. Um, you know, I, I don't mind sort of saying I am. Um, my wife's Catholic. My children go to Catholic school. I converted to Catholicism from about 10, 15 years ago. Um, that's quite sort of strong to me as well. Um, yeah. So, so you convert. So you're now um, a Catholic, yeah? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm. Um, I've done it for a couple of years, but I'm what's called a Eucharistic minister. So, if um, you need sort of Catholic last rites, and I technically can give it to you. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, one of those things that tells the facts that people might not know about. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Eucharistic minister. Uh, there we go. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. <laughs> so that's quite important. I think having that frame of reference is important. I really do. Uh, mm. That's what that gives to me, anyway. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, um, so we talked about kind of prouds and things you've achieved, and so on. Yeah. What, what, what would you say are some of the, perhaps the more challenging moments in your career, or well, actually in your life? Uh, well, I, my mum passing away when I was when she was fairly young. That was quite sort of challenging. How old were you at the time when that happened? Oh, I would have been in the mid thirties. I mean, one yeah. was fifty. She had us quite young, uh, so she. Crack how old was one? Fifty-eight. Yeah. So yeah. So that was quite sort of sudden. That was quite. That was really tough, actually, uh, for me and for my sister and things. Yeah. Um, things sort of quite challenging. Um. I don't, you know, I don't, I must admit, I don't really look from a, a private life perspective having that much of, of challenges more than anybody else. It's, you know, you know, being a good dad, being a good husband and all that sort of thing. Whatever. We've all got those things that we've got to do. Um, work-wise, been, there's been a few sort of big sort of projects. So uh, I'm currently in Rotherham. I've been in Rotherham five years. Before that, I was in Wakefield, uh, Mid-George Hospitals. Uh, we changed the. Uh, I led the change of the EPR, the pass off system. That was quite the first sort of big IT sort of change. That was uh, seven sort of eight years ago. That was that was difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were lots of sleepless nights. Never really experienced anything that that like that before. Just from the pressure of delivering it and the, the... yeah 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 extreme pressure, extreme pressure. Not. Because one of the things about the in particular hospitals is we we don't turn off. Of course, so, the twenty four seven operation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. we don't we don't send people home at five o'clock on a Friday. Our customers don't go away; they come back on a Monday morning. You know, they they, they are there all the time. Yeah, I know it's blindingly obvious, mm. uh, but doing change in that environment is really hard, especially when it's. When, when you know implementing systems and all that sort of stuff, there's you know, I think there's essentially two or three sort of types. What is changing what you've already got from A to B? That's a lot harder than just putting a new thing in. Of course, putting new things in, you're not changing anything. You're just, you're just adding on some additional sort of functionality. Is coming to sort of people, up. but fundamentally switching from A to B is is pretty hard, and that's why not many of us do it. If you if you look back, you know the uh, what's been going on in NHIT for the last sort of 10, sort of 15 years, a lot of it's layering on top of what we've already got. Um, not a lot, great deal of switching over mm. to either wraparound products, EDMSs. Um, yeah, big, I would say big bang EPR implementations, you know, you know the, the immense job that uh, the Bradford and Cordon and Lusfield folks did in terms of that certain implementation is, is you know, um, 
is to be applauded, you know, to do that in such a short period of time across, you know, those big organisations is, is amazing. But yeah, the, the past change at Midjots Hospital, hospitals, which is three hospitals, um, 13th of September, 2013. You never forget that date, will you? No, no, nearly killed me, I tell you. Yeah. But hell, but you... Is, it, is there ever moments like that where the pressure's so immense and probably a lot of it's coming from your own self um, yes. as well as external parties, obviously, and, and the stakeholders that you're kind of delivering it to and for. Is there any moments in that where you're going, once this is done, I'm out. I've had enough. Uh, no, no, I've never sort of felt that at all. No, I just don't want to let some people down, you know? Mm. I don't want, I don't want what, what me and my teams do is to let other people sort of down. Is, is to make things worse. You, you mentioned your reputation as well. So, you know, it's, is there a lot of that on it as well that you don't want to blemish or tarnish your reputation? Yeah, I think, I th- I think reputation is the, the success of particular services like us is predicated on, I think, my view, is our reputation. Mm. And if people think, if organisations think, I don't know, the, the service you provide is rubbish, then it can be very difficult to change that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it becomes a lot harder. So that's as much about uh, the quality and the confidence and the reputation and all that sort of stuff of, of what you sort of do. Um, I suppose your I reputation... Like, sorry, sorry, I was going to say, I suppose your reputation almost is only as good as the last project that you deliver. Yeah. That's how long it lasts for, right? Yeah, yeah. And that applies to, to all of us, I think. Um, I think it really, really does. Um, yeah, so so that's a, and it'd be same in your industry. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as good as the last event I done, I suppose. And if yeah, I, yeah, because that's what people remember. Well, you look at you know events like say EHI Live and things like that. You know, how quickly did that reputation sour and yeah, and that event within what two three years finished? It just, it just disappeared. Yeah, and that was the flagship. That was the flagship mm-hmm. event, wasn't it? Um, and uh, but then that, I think that, that comes down to leadership and and so on and so forth as well, doesn't it? Because um, it does, and making sort of keeping things relevant and sort of current, really. So mm. yeah, I think um, so with the leadership sort of piece as well. I, I was touching earlier about um, you know I, th- I think I've been lucky enough, but again, everybody sort of says this to a degree, but. There's there's been people throughout my sort of career who I who now I'm a little bit older. I look back and think, do you know what? I was really lucky to have them around me. You know, they they, they pointed and prodded me in the right direction, uh, gave me some really good advice that I've, I've always always sort of stuck with. Um, yeah, and and I think sometimes as well, seeing things uh, that aren't great, so you make sure you don't repeat those same mistakes. Then that's what's important. You, you take the good and bad out of everything. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I've been just being involved in some really exciting stuff. You know, built a couple of hospitals, um, three, three hospitals. Um, one of them I enjoyed that much. I decided, to, you know, when my son was born, we uh, we opted to have him in the hospital we just built in Halifax. Yeah. Uh, so that was great, you know. And and you know, the, my my father is um, in the sort of building trade and. One of the good things about being involved in those sorts of things is, you know, every day when I, oh, not every day, but whenever I drive past those locations, I, I look at it and think, do you know what? You know, I was, I was, I was involved in that. Yeah. Not that good. And, you know, I get a bit of a kick out of doing that sort of stuff. I get a bit of a kick out of seeing companies who we've who had a bit of an idea and we've helped grow them and get them uh, onto a bigger sort of stage. That, that's, that's really good. Mm. Uh, and, and, I enjoy doing that as well. Um, about seeing others grow around us, you know, I think it's great to be able to you know, be in industry that sort of long, uh, particularly around you know, Yorkshire and Humber area. Is to see so many people sort of flourish and end up doing great things, uh, and it's, yeah, it's nice to think that you know I might have had a, some sort of influence yeah. on, on the way somewhere, maybe. Yeah, he says. Yeah. What, so you've talked about things you like then. So talk to me yeah. about some of your bugbears as well, because um, I know you're, uh, you can be vocal about um, on LinkedIn about you know, uh, suppliers and, and things like that as yeah. well. So 
Talk to me about some of your bugbears. Uh, I'm not over keen on people who work in areas who waffle and who are able to talk for a long time without saying very little. Mm. That that winds me up immensely. Uh, so maybe that's you know just people get to the point. Those that talk without saying nothing. Yeah, yeah, and, and people who, you know, particularly in our industry, you know, there's people who work in IT who can talk and they know not very much about IT. And you can tell when they're talking, thinking great words, but you don't really know what you're on about. So, so that's a bit of a sort of bugbear. Um, winds me up. Um, I, I get, I, I can get wind up quite quite by suppliers sometimes, and who are necessarily, you know, I understand where they come from and all that sort of stuff. I do. I simply, you know, I could, I don't think I could ever work in sales. It would never be my sort of thing. Mm. Um, but the number of times where you've where you've come across people who've sort of promised the earth and, and actually never sort of delivered. Because uh, sometimes there is a disconnect between what sales and account people think that their teams can do and actually what the reality can do. And um, the number, yeah, I've seen that divide, that void uh, on, on more occasions than I, than I choose to sort of remember really. Mm-hmm. And that's just disappointing because the bit that disappoints me a little bit is others will fall into that cycle a bit. Uh, we'll go down those rabbit holes. Uh, when you we'll say others, who are you talking about? Well, maybe others in 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 in, in other NHS sort of trusts, uh, yeah. other organisations, um, and it, it's it's not it's not an individual sort of fault as such. Really, it's it's yeah. Sometimes supplies promising sort of too much. Um, you know, the COVID crisis has been a little bit of that. When it all kicked off, there were loads and loads of suppliers who, you know, some really stepped up to the plate, some promised earth and delivered, and ultimately delivered very little. But it sounds like they were, they were promising and delivering and they were going to do loads of great stuff. But, mm-hmm. but they did. They, they just couldn't. And, you know, we, we, we've got to prioritise what we do all the sort of time. We haven't got enough, you know, um, space to, to to deal with everything so it, it's about trying to sort of minimize those distractions sometimes so yeah yeah when, that, you dis- when you say about distractions talk to me about your email inbox because so uh, i i think yeah so yeah my this this may or may not surprise me i've, I've looking i've got 600 emails from when or just i'm yeah, well just 600 emails just yeah. told yeah, yeah, but I get hundreds a day. So I'm quite um, disciplined around all that sort of stuff. Um, so I and, and use the technology to its maximum. So if somebody emails me who have ne- who, who's external to NHS, it goes straight to an external folder. And every once in a while, I look through and just go delete, 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 delete. It's people. Do you, do you ever read? <laughs> yeah, I don't, don't read it. Delete, 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 delete. Um, if if I get CC into stuff, that goes into another folder. Yeah. And I'll just quickly sort of scan through sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, I, I've taken, uh, yeah, I'll say it, yeah. I, I've had runnings with recruitment consultants who I've unsubscribed from their mailing list and they've not taken me off their mailing list. So I've reported them to, uh, it's called REC, which is the industry, is it REC? Recruitment? There's some industry body for recruitment agencies. Yeah, yeah I know you're talking about, yeah. 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 So I've done that a few times. I, you know, I'm not, not afraid to do that. You know, um, you know, if I tell you I don't want to be communicated to you, then if you do it again, as far as I'm concerned, that's a breach of my, uh, my confidence. So, so okay. So, so you so you've got you know you use a tech wisely, so you kind of filter the the crap basically. Um, yeah. And and you're left with so. Where would my where would my email go if, if I emailed you? We've got a relationship. We've communicated before. Would my email go in your your outside? Uh, yours yours would, but uh, you and I you know me well enough to maybe try other channels that yeah. I respond. Text him or call you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you know me well enough, you've got me you've got my number. You can sort of call me or you sort of text me and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a you know there's a process I, I do go through where I can add people to a bit of a whitelist. So then it'll land in my inbox. Right. But there are many of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not privileged to be in the whitelist. Because <laughs> no, no. otherwise you get inundated. And you know, the pe- you know, people I sort of coach and sort of mentor with, they, they get swamped with it. Mm. And you don't have to be swamped with it. It's your own swamp. 
Mm. If you just want by your inbox, it's your swamp, not not anybody else's. Mm. So you need to do something about that. Yeah, and do. Cool. Uh, um, so, so for a supplier, then, so let's let's say I'm a supplier. Yeah. I've, I've got what I feel is an innovative solution that's going to change the way that I don't know. Let's pick something. Um, outpatients is delivered, right? So yeah. virtual out, outpatient clinics or whatever it might be, right? Um, could really help your organisation. Yeah. Um, I've emailed you, not got back because it's I've landed in your in your rubbish folder whether you're not going to yeah. check haven't got your mobile number cannot connect something how how does someone or, or what, what what's the way to approach James Rawlinson that gets that gets listened to that that's going to enable you to um to to see it and respond and actually say right actually this actually could help me so how do how do people that that you don't know of and don't know you get in touch with you um when there is actually something that could help yeah. So the first and foremost is what I what I'd say to people is 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 jolly do your own work, and I mean really do your own work. You know, don't don't treat me like an idiot. That sometimes a lot of people do. I do know this industry really really well. So if you start, so if an email starts quoting facts and figures that are just plainly wrong, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, in fact, I'll probably share email just with other people to delete you as well. Uh, <laughs> and the amount of time, but suppliers do that. You know, they, you know I think really. Do you think we're do you think we're stupid or something? Yeah. You know. Uh, so yeah, do your own work and really, really do your own work. As in, you know, check what you're saying, double check it, triple check it. If you think something's innovative, then find out whether anybody actually really is doing it. Because um, sometimes we talk about innovate. You know, what is innovation? Is innovation just something I'm not doing right now, but anybody else is? Mm. Or is innovation that no one anywhere has ever done before? The the two the two things aren't the same. Mm. Um, so, yeah, how do you get sort of airtime? And I think you know you, you've got to you've got to find sort of partners to be able to get a sort of foot in the sort of, in some sort of door sort of somewhere. You know, demonstrate like a, ref- sort of, like a referral or something like that. Yeah, demonstrate success. Uh, you know how how you do that. You need to be creative and sort of think a bit sort of differently. But yeah, demonstrate success. Prepare to take a risk. You know, um, often you, not often, but occasionally you'll see suppliers where it's as if the risk is is completely all mine. Mm. You now I'm looking after. I've said it before, but I'm looking after your family's taxes. Do you really think I I should be I should be taking that risk? Mm. You know, I don't. Mm. Uh, um, you know, if it's that good an idea, it can save that sort of much money. Why, why don't they? Do, let's let's do a, like a risk share sort of approach. If you don't deliver X, then we won't pay you. Or yeah, yeah. So years ago, when we were building hospitals in Wakefield, there was a uh, you know a few people had done it, but uh, sort of checking systems for outpatients. And there was a local. You know, this guy lives fairly locally. He had a bit. You know, he he we went out to sort of tender. There's only two people responded. And absolutely, I look back, and he was prepared to take his own risk with his own, essentially, sort of with his own money a little bit, really. Mm-hmm. And that company's now got eighty percent of the UK market, and it's across uh, parts of uh, sort of Asia and sort of Australasia. So, you know, good on him. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, they're yeah. great. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think they're great, and they they took their own risks, and mm-hmm. I like that. You know. Yeah. Let's try and do it a little bit sort of together. So yeah, but the key advice is do your homework. You know, uh, I now I've had phone calls where people have got through and said, you know, I'm working with 250 trusts in the country. They're in 250 trusts yeah, in the country. How? <laughs> I doing that then? Because in 250 trusts in the country, uh, and, and the conversations go on and on like that. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Talk to me about your job role as well, because your role for um, the Rotherham is is director of health informatics um is that just a posh way of saying a health cio uh well yeah it's interesting to maybe it is um so health director of health informatics as a job role has probably been around the industry longer than cio sort of name i i think uh so i've been here sort of five years so i was sort of asked to some degree, to apply because Rotherham put in an EPR about sort of, uh, ten years ago and didn't go very well. You know, I was quite maligned. 
had a bit of a toxic reputation to it. Uh, the organisation itself had gone through a lot of change, uh, had gone into sort of special measures as a result of the EPR. I think we're the only few examples nationally ever to, to have done that. Wow. Um, and there's lots of reasons that are on public record as to why the organisation went sort of through that sort of then. Um, so I was at a joy, a bit of a new leadership team. And, and yeah, being, you know, being really lucky that when I came to sort of Rotherham, the, uh, we've got a CCIO, he's a colorectal surgeon, and he's ace. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul Slater, isn't it? Richard Slater, Richard yeah, Slater, yeah. Richard Slater, sorry. Yeah, 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 no, Paul Curley, I think you might be thinking of my previous organisation. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, CCIOs were surgeons of... Uh, Agree, I think. Yeah. Well, I called so I called Richard once, and I was um, I was inviting him to our event, and his mobile number was on his LinkedIn. I've probably given a game away there, so hopefully he's changed that now. Um, <laughs> so I called him and spoke to him, and I said, "Oh yeah, we've got this, you know, this CCI panel discussion where we've got four CCIOs from GDEs, GDE sites. Cool, that was like flying a red flag. To <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sites." Well, what about us on the art GDE sites? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds like Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, can you imagine, yeah, following this is really, can you imagine what me and Richard are like together? You know, blow it heck, you know, we all scare the hell out of loads of people. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't come, he, funnily enough. Yeah, he didn't come. <laughs> you know, he, you know I, again, I was lucky, you know, so, you know, so lucky to have. Uh, Mr. Curly, Paul Curly at Mid Yorkshire, who yeah. was a CCIO before CCIOs were even a thing. Uh, him and a guy who happens to be now the chief executive at Rotherham led some massive uh, document EDMS projects at Mid Yorkshire. We digitized a whole lot, uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago, long before is, you know, a long time ago. Mm. And they led it from the front clinically. Yeah, and that's that's I think that's part of what inf directive informatics jobs are mm -hmm. is it's not always about standing in front and leading. It's actually about getting people who have respect to lead. Um, you know. So what from that from in terms of outward facing, you know, this has got yeah. to be adopted by clinicians. Yeah. So you do that side of it. I'll lead the techies that are going to deliver it for you. Yeah. With, with and the, and the, the supplier management, the vendor management. Yeah. The technical bit the software development the information production the interfacing all that stuff yeah. the contract management this the service specification the systems architects all that stuff that has to happen to make clinical things work well clinically yeah makes um, sense so we've worked really hard richard and i and i think we've been reasonably successful in rotherham about any big it change it is a clinical thing sport by it the, the rhetoric's a little bit different. It's not an IT, you know, it sounds a bit clear, an IT project. But yeah. sometimes, there, sometimes there are IT projects. Yeah, if you're trying to get a clinician to lead a network upgrade, then I think you're bloody doomed, personally. <laughs> <laughs> You've read too much of the manual. But, uh, you know, so some things need to be IT projects. But a lot of things shouldn't be. And that's where, you know, Richard and the team, and we, we've spent a lot of time trying to build up a good sort of clinical team and, when I was in Wakefield for a couple of years, I reported to the chief nurse. So I was a senior sort of IMT leader reporting to the chief nurse, which is fairly unusual. Mm. And that learned me ever Finance or something that an IT would person would report. Yeah, normally, normally the stickers under finance. I don't really know. Where to I stick find that strange though. Why finance? Uh, because they the, fund the projects, or is that ultimately? Yeah. I think partly because from projects, predominantly because of the information element. Right. So a lot of the information traditionally would drive uh, finances, yeah, contracts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, but but reports the chief nurse for two and a half, three years was great. Yeah, they were uh, and still are an underrepresented workforce in IT and the NHS, massively. Mm. Yeah, seventy percent of our workforce are nurses and therapists. Mm. Yeah, we still you know we have chief clinical information officers who tend to be. Doctors, well, what about everybody else? So yeah, we've spent. We we we've just appointed digital lead for clinical, um, digital health clinical lead. Who's a therapist? Uh, she she's really enthusiastic. She's fab. We've now got a digital midwife. We fund uh, one of our practice development team, nursing. So you know, a lot of my job is about 
building those relationships, I think, skilling up others to do and my perfect my perfect day would be to do nothing at work. You know, so I'd have to worry about things going down and there's a whole bunch of people who know how to make the changes that they need to make the changes there and then. Yeah. That 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 would feel like job done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me. Um so, talk talk to me about your other role then, because you're also the CIO lead at South Yorkshire and Humber um, sorry, South Yorkshire and Bassett Law um ICS. Yeah, so we, we we've established ICSs across the country as our STPs, yeah. uh, those been around long enough for just well, they're just regional authorities in another name. I don't think they are, they're a little bit sort of different. Um they are you know, NHS are all industries, you know, expanding that contract. So that's around mainly being a um uh how can I explain? I want to say it's not a critical friend. That's not true, really. It's, it's, it's supporting the ISS team in terms of having some grounded relevance to any sort of particular changes or things they're going to sort of do. Um, so we've got a, a GP in Rotherham who's the lead digital clinical person, and there's a full-time digital program director uh, who's ex-NHS Digital, created a lot of digital there. And, and he really runs that day, day in, day out. Yeah. He's setting up all the strategy, he's creating the team that's sort of delivering, and I'm used more of a soundboard as anything else, yeah. uh, you know, to, to test some of that out. Uh, and it, it's about trying to bring up the whole system together. Yeah, of course. Form. Um, um, yeah, trying to bring the whole system together, but then also sort of recognising the need to connect things before we really must connect things. So, so what do you mean by that? So um, I got a really good presentation. Or I was I was looking to be a presentation from Cindy Fidel over at Bradford, yeah. who has led the Nightingale implementation in Harrogate. And she talks about, which I think is spot on, is if we'd done things like better shared records across the whole of the arch number, the Nightingale response would have been a bit easier. But because that's not there, it makes some of the Nightingale sharing information more difficult. Yeah. See, do you think for someone outside of the NHS to think that, because everyone thinks that the NHS is one organisation, right? The people that yeah, aren't aware of what, what the NHS, you know, is a, is a cl- cluster of yep. organisations, right? If you ask Joe Public, do you think if you went to hospital or, you know, do you think, I think they'd be pretty shocked to think that, people that, that records aren't shared um there's not one system to share records it's yeah across the country let alone across a across a jurisdiction a, a certain area a, a city or a, or a county yeah yeah i think um so what's the question do you think people so do you think that i don't know actually what the question was it's more of a statement yeah. wasn't it? um yeah <laughs> Yeah, talk, well, about, talk about saying something, not saying anything. Yeah, we we tried to solve that with the National Program for IT. So, you know, I was in the NHS when all that stuff happened. You know, I can remember the whirlwind of change. And, you know, if, if you're ever bored and want a decent read, then read Tony Blair's biography. Because he, you know, essentially got a, a, my take on it is he got a visit by Bill Gates, who gave him the big sort of IT sort of thing. Great idea, let's do it. And then within about two years, I created the National Program for IT. And away you go. And that was like a top-down implementation. And we're, we're still sort of learning from that, I guess, really. Mm-hmm. So um, in an ideal world, there will be one big system across the whole sort of piece. Um, but we're a fragmented business. We, we are. Um, now, I think, I think the premise of what you're saying is, do members of the public expect us to be able to share information? And the answer to that is yes. With that in mind, I think sometimes we 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 don't enable that easy enough ourselves. Mm. You know, we uh, I use the phrase "high behind IG." I'm not right sure. You know, you know, IG gets a bad press sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, that the, it's there for a reason, and that reason's wholly uh, legitimate. But we've got to find ways sort of through that, and sometimes we we we've got to push against that. You know, it's. Um, we, we, we talk about in, in South Dr. Barcelona and the ICS is, you know, you, you, you can't, if there's no data, you can't share it. 
to we create big monoliths of sharing systems, but you've got to get the, the basics all right. So if we don't have EPRs and electronic basic records and digitized systems, you can't share the bloody things anyway. Mm. And mm. that's what a lot of people are, are coming across at the moment. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And and the other bit with the well, was last about the South Yorkshire Bachelor piece is was pretty good. I think it's not just South Yorkshire, but it's the same in uh, other parts of the country. I think there's a really good network across Yorkshire and Humber. So we have something called the um, Northern in Yorkshire. Uh, it's called NIDIF, Northern Yorkshire Direct Informatics Forum. It's been yeah. running for 26, 27 years. No, 28 years. Um, so well, well before my time. So there's a good sort of network of, you know, across the whole of Yorkshire number. So, you know, we, we talk a lot to each other. We share a lot of stories with each other. We, we check things out with each other. Um, you know, my challenge now being a, a some level of seniority in that sort of mix is making sure that we don't end up with what I would call an old boys network. Because I can remember before I got to where I am, it felt like a bloody old boys network. Uh, and I don't want that. I'd hate, I personally hate to think people outside of that sort of echelon of senior mm. you should think this is an old boys network that I can't get into. Yeah, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, I think um you know it's quite you know all of the, all of the stuff around kind of diversity and inclusion and stuff very yeah. topical at the minute. And I think that you know I certainly have to tackle my own unconscious bias. Um yeah. because we've, we've yeah. all got it right and yeah, yeah. um you naturally um you know, you're naturally drawn to, for us as white men, for example, we're naturally drawn to other white men. Um, yeah. um, and, and so we, we certainly do have to tackle that. And I think it's good that you are thinking of that. Um, yeah, and we have, we have, you know, this this is all about, to me, networking and all that sort of stuff. And um, so we, we've got something in Yorkshire called the Informatic Skills Development Network. Yeah. So that's about enabling people who are at the beginning of their NHS career to form their own networks and skills development and get to know one another. Because often the best way to get to build your own networks is to move around, but not everybody can move around for lots of reasons. But my job is to ensure people can uh, interconnect with one another and, and, and learn from good practice and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, for me, that's really important. Yeah, It's really, really important. So who's going to be doing my job in 5, 10, 15 years' time? So, you know, some days I bloody hope it's not me, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. Well, let's, let's move on. Last bit, really. Just want to talk yeah. about some, some personal stuff for you, because I know you push for time now. Um, so you obviously mentioned about being a good dad earlier. So you're obviously um, a father. And uh, so how many children have you got? Two. Two. Ages? 18 and 19. Yeah. And uh, boys, girls or mixed? Uh, one of each. So uh, the eldest is a girl. Uh, yeah. yeah, and the other one's the boy. John. The perfect, the perfect family, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two point four kids, sort of. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, in fact, George just got out, so he was supposed to do his A levels this year. So, uh, he can go rave for another year like his dad, then, right? You want to say that again? Sorry, <laughs> he can go and rave for another year like his dad. No, then, right? you know, they're talking, you know, all this lockdown stuff that's going on. It seems to be uh, starting to happen a little bit. I think he's always going out. So yeah. he's turned 18 during lockdown, and I can't imagine what that would have been like. Yeah, yeah, that's um, you'll have to have, a, have to have an extra big, big, uh, big one when it's all over. Yeah, yeah, that's his plan. But, so, what, what's your hobbies? What do you like to do outside of work? Uh, what do I do outside of work? Uh, think about work. <laughs> yeah, I think about work because uh, I enjoy work. You know, um, I don't. You know, my head of EPR, Laura, she was, who was another sort of uh, star of the sort of future. Um, we went about this the other day actually, and and she's sort of similar. You know, I enjoy work, and so I think That's about work outside of work. Actually, why not? You know, um, so yeah, so I think about, but yeah, I was joking aside, uh, there's a church bit, so uh, I don't always do as much as that as I think I should, but that's probably Catholic guilt more than anything. So if people are listening to Catholics, they'll, they'll know that uh, intuitively. Um, I, I fairly recently was, up until fairly recently, was chair of governors for a local primary school for 13 years. So I used to do sort of, uh, a lot of that until the sort of kids left that sort of school. Yeah, they said a little bit sort of too long. Um, 
I, I still like so I, I, we talked very early about um, the beginning of the interview. I used to be in the air cadets when I was younger, so I still like fly. So what do I mean? So so occasionally I will go flying. So I, I can't take my pilot's license because my ear. Yeah, but you can you know like pleasure flights. You can hire a plane for whatever for an hour, and you know someone will take off and you can fly it around. You can sort of. Uh, sort of come back home again. So what you've got, you've almost like um, you've got a pilot there. It's got complete control, but you can yeah, take, yeah. take over the steering wheel for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So, so I do that, that um, a couple of times a year. That's that's fun. Um, I build. Uh, I don't do it as much now, but I I used to be writing to sort of quadcopters and building my own. You know, like drones. Yeah, yeah. But building my own from scratch. There's your engineering background coming. Yeah, it's completely geeky, but I build them from scratch. So don't buy them. Buy all the parts from China. They come over. Um, and yeah, you have to get. You have to replace the bits that are broken when they come over. Yeah, yeah it's the most insane <laughs> hobby because it just smashes all the time. So yeah, I used to do that until sort of quite regular. But yeah, um, and then go for a lot of walking. Uh, I've been for the last year or so. Do quite a lot of walks with Mrs. Rawlinson. Yeah. Just got rambling. Um, uh, mate of mine likes metal detecting, so yeah, <laughs> which is just pointless, really. That's just two old fellows walking around in a field with a with a piece of plastic. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> get over excited if I did a rusty nail. Uh, <laughs> oh, what's this? What's this? Oh, yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing just a just a rusty old nail. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have another keep myself busy um, watching TV. Probably watch far too much on TV. I'm re-watching Breaking Bad at the moment. Yeah? Yeah. No, yeah. I said to my missus, because um, she re-watched Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, why don't we re-watch Breaking Bad? And we and uh, what's your favourite series on Breaking Bad? So I'm up to season four. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so last night. Season four is brilliant. Yeah, the bit I watched last night is when uh, Gus... Killed the sort of cartel by poisoning them. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one. So yeah, I quite yeah. I think the one I'm currently watching is by far the best. Yeah. Is that, is that before the train bit where they're, they're yeah, you know where they're digging under the train? Uh, or they're, they're, definitely before that bit because I never watched season five. So I think you might be talking about something season possibly. Oh, sorry, I've just ruined it for you. I don't just <laughs> <laughs> Um. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, quite, quite watching that. So yeah, doing mixing. Is that what you're trying to? Is that is that your next career move then? Which bit? No. <laughs> cooking. Yeah, cooking up. You know, starting starting breaking, 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 breaking bad. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, definitely not. So yeah, that's that's what I do outside of sort of work. Uh, keeps me occupied. Um, yeah, and see a lot of my family as well. My sister, my dad's on around sort of corner, seeing quite yeah. a lot. Uh, and we've got a dog who, she's about 15 years old now and probably on her way. So we spend a lot of time going back and forth to the vets of all places. Oh, uh, bless. Yeah, yeah, bless. What you got? What was the dog? She's a mix between a Chihuahua, Yorkshire Terrier and a Parsons sort of Terrier. But she's just old and yeah. looks around and has got bad breath. <laughs> that's all dogs for you though isn't it that's all dogs for you yeah yeah well there we are well thank you so much for uh for joining me on this it's been a pleasure to get to know the person behind the job title <laughs> you're welcome Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the PE podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure that you share this episode via your social media channels, as it really does help us to gain traction in promoting this podcast series. Please make sure that you also subscribe to the channel that you're listening via, as you'll then get notifications as soon as we release our next podcast episode. Thank you.